0: Welcome to the New Day Community Church Sermon Podcast. We hope you are encouraged by this message from the Nichols Road campus. For more info, look us up at newdaycommunity.org. Thanks, Marilee. We are continuing our series on the arc of the Bible, the storyline of the Bible, covering the entire Bible in eight weeks. It's going to be a miracle. Let's see if we can do it. And one of the ways we can do it is to stay on track and to keep talking. So please follow with me. We've uh, uh, already had a couple of weeks. The story so far is that God made a very good creation. God is the creator God, and what he creates is good. And mankind, you and I, are made in the image of God. We are image bearers of God, But we're also stewards and co-rulers of earth. God had this unique relationship with mankind, giving them his authority. But as we learned last week, sin brought corruption uh, and death. And uh, it it caused Adam and Eve to to, uh, lose their position, to be thrust out of the garden. But God's promises, salvation, nevertheless, through a descendant of the woman, through her seed uh, that would crush the serpent who is the devil's head. And that was the first prophecy of the Messiah, right from that initial story. Today we're gonna cover the rest of Genesis, chapters 12 through 50, believe it or not. And it's the beginning history of the family through which the promised Messiah will come. So keep in mind, the promise was there will be a savior, there will be a seed, a descendant of Eve that would crush the serpent's head. And then the story continues, and we 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 begin uh, really the history. We we had the flood, and then there's uh, Noah's a primary character of the flood, <clears throat> and um, then we begin in chapter 12 with Abram, who is a direct descendant of Noah. Just a uh, Uh, I forget if he was the grandson or the great-grandson, but uh, of Noah. And the Lord appears to Abram, and Abram is um, the key figure (laughs) next to Jesus, really, in Scripture. And so understanding who Abram is, and uh, God later changed his name to Abraham, but initially it's Abram. Uh, And his role is absolutely critical to understanding the whole story of the Bible. So we're going to take most of the time to talk about Abram's interactions with uh, the Lord God. Beginning in chapter 12, verse 1, it says, "'Now the Lord said to Abram, "'Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house "'to the land I will show you, and I will make you a great nation.'" And I will bless you and make your name great so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you and him who dishonors you. I will curse and in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Huge, important uh, sentence there. All the families of the earth shall be blessed through Abram. And so God's blessing <coughs> to Abram is actually a continuation of the command to Adam to rule the earth, to, to bring order to the earth and blessing to the whole earth. Okay, I want you to connect the dots here that God commissioned to Adam and Eve to rule over the earth, to fill it and subdue it, okay is continued uh it's actually continued to noah but we didn't have time to delve into that yet. you can read the story in the bible there the book's better than the sermon <laughs> all right but then god says it to abram and so it's a continuation of the original mandate uh that was given to abram and this is a pattern throughout all of scripture and it's just the way god works God chooses a person to lead a people to bring about blessing to the world, all right, And we'll see this pattern through the whole arc of the story of the Bible where God chooses a person to lead a people to bring a blessing to the world. And the whole world is always God's goal. Even after the fall, even after all of the destruction that came as a result, the brokenness of sin, the mandate of god hasn't changed god gave mankind a commission and we are still obligated to fulfill that commission god's purposes will come to pass even though the cost and the course of its fulfillment is going to be radically different all right so the the, the mandate to adam to rule the earth and to, to bring order and subdue it will still come to pass, but it's going to cost something much more. And the course, the way it's actually accomplished, is different than what it originally would have been in the garden scenario if that would have uh, been fulfilled, if Adam and Eve hadn't sinned. We don't know what would have happened, but we know that the mandate is uh, maintained because he repeats it to Abram. And so the covenant that God makes with Abram is very, very important to understand because it was a covenant of peace uh, of faith and in genesis 15 um, we see this uh, highlighted in god's interaction with abram because abram uh, calls out to god god had promised him uh, uh, a nation uh, descendants a great family and he's praying and says you've given me no children so a servant in my household will be my heir he's He's actually praying. This is a prayer. And the word of the Lord came to him. So God spoke back. He says, this man will not be your heir. He was going to take his his servant to make his heir. He said, "But uh, but a son coming from your own body will be your heir. And then he took him outside. So God led Abram to walk outside of his tent. And he told him, look up at the heavens and count the stars if indeed you can count them. And then he said to him, so shall your offspring be. And, and this time, this is not the first time God had promised. This is actually the, uh, he promised it several times. We read the one earlier, but there were several times where he repeated the promise that God would make him a great nation. But this is the first time in scripture that Adam responds with faith. It says, Adam believed the Lord. And he, God, credited, credited it to him, Abram, as righteousness. Wow. Okay. So even though God had promised Abram, he hadn't seen the fulfillment of it. And he was 99 years old. Okay. So I'm old, but this guy was really old. Okay. Even in their day, he was, he was an old guy. Uh, and Sarah, his wife, was, was old, past the age of childbearing. But Abram, something in that interaction this time, sometimes we have to hear something from God more than once. Amen? Aren't you glad God doesn't change it? He, he, he's willing to repeat it until you believe it. And this is the first time Abram's faith is revealed it's one of the most important verses in the Bible. Uh, based on nothing but God's word, there was no, nothing that Abraham could point to and say, "Yeah, God, you said this, so it must be ha- going to happen." No, in fact, he could point he could point to his life and say, "Even though you said this, you haven't done anything to make it happen." how often and how easy it, uh, we would have, or, and how easy it would have been for Abram to say, God, you said that, but you haven't even given me a kid. You know, And I'm old now, and Sarah is not even able to conceive anymore because she's too old. She's past the age of childbearing. She went through menopause. Uh, he's like, all the evidence says it's not going to happen. He could have gotten bitter. But now something in this interaction, Abram... So I was looking at the stars, and it just happened. He believed it. And God then counts that as righteousness. In other words, Abram was not a perfect man, okay? Uh, There's only one perfect person in Scripture. That's Jesus, okay? But righteousness here means in right standing with God. That put him in the place where he could receive the blessing. He could receive the promise. God says, you got it right when Abram believed. It counted. And the whole biblical doctrine of salvation through faith and not by works is based initially on this encounter and then extrapolated throughout the rest of the story. It defines what it means to be right or righteous, in right relationship in right standing with god and it and it puts the centrality on faith not something that abram did and not even something that god had did but simply based on god's promise and the belief that god would fulfill his word wow so this covenant gets tested god gives you a word bible promises you many great things right? Amen? Guess what? It's going to come with a test. Why? Because this is God's way, and it's important. It enables us to go deeper in our relationship with God and to be developed as his children to come into, uh, to take on his character. It requires testing. But here's Abraham's test, and it was a doozy, (laughs) right? Chapter 22, verse 6, it says, "Abram took this is okay, this is a little later in the story, a, lot, a lot's happened, I can't even mention a lot of the stuff, but Abram finally did have a son uh, with his wife, and named him Isaac, which means laughter, because both Abraham and Isaac, uh, both Abram and uh, Sarah, his wife, at different times laughed when uh, God visited them and said, you're going to have a son, because they were so old, it was like, that's a joke, you know? And then they have the baby, and then they name him Laughter. I think it's great. Um, So the the boy is uh, now probably 10 to 12 years old, and uh, God tells him to go and do this and uh, sacrifice his son. So Abram took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac, his son. (sighs) So Isaac, the son, is carrying the wood of the sacrifice picture jesus carrying the cross right and he took the fire in his hand and a knife and the two of them went together but isaac spoke to abram his father and said my father and he said here i am son and then he said look we have the fire we have the wood but where is the lamb for the burnt offering and abram said my son God will provide for Himself the lamb for a burnt offering. Now Abraham was going up to the mountain uh, because the Lord had appeared to him and said, "Sacrifice your son." And and you know this was the son he'd waited a hundred years for, right? and now it's finally seeing a fulfillment. And so this is a huge task, and and Abraham had gotten to the place where he obeyed the word of the Lord regardless. And so he's doing this, but here you see him say, God will provide for himself a lamb. So the two of them went together and came to the place in which God had told them. And Abram built an altar there and placed the wood in order. And he bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar upon the wood. What did that look like? What were the emotions Can you imagine Abram doing this? The grief he had to push through? Isaac? Why did he run away? You know? There was, there's some dynamic there. and, And again, most of the Bible is mystery. It's like, we read this, but, you know, if you were standing there, what would it have looked like? And, and actually, God wants us to meditate on this and, 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 and connect it to the emotion of it because this is a hugely significant story. This is, stretched out his hand and took the knife. There's a son lying in the wood, tied down. And he, had, and he took the knife and he raised it up. And just at that moment, The angel called from heaven and said, Abram, Abraham!" And Abram said, here I am. He said, don't lay your hand on your son, on the lad, or do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God since you've not withheld your son, your only son from me. Then Abram lifted up his eyes and looked and there behind him was a ram caught in the thickets by its horns. So Abram went and took the ram and offered it up for a burnt offering instead of his son. And Abram called the name of the place, the Lord will provide, as it is said to this day, in the mountain of the Lord it shall be provided. Then the angel of the Lord called to Abram a second time out of heaven and said, By myself I have sworn says the Lord, this is the word of the Lord to Abram, because you have done this thing and have not withheld your son, your only son, uh, it means your beloved son, your special son, uh, blessing I will bless you. He repeats the promise. He repeats this commission. And multiplying I will multiply your descendants as the stars of heaven and as the sand which is on the seashore. And your descendants shall possess the gates of their enemies in your seed All nations of the earth shall be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. Here is the continuation of that promise of the seed being passed down that will become a blessing to all the families of the earth, to the whole earth. And this this whole story is explained to us, in the New Testament, in the book of Hebrews, it's going to read this passage as an explanation of that experience. It says, It was by faith that Abraham offered Isaac as a sacrifice when God was testing him. Uh, Abraham, who had received God's promises, was ready to sacrifice his only begotten son, Isaac, even though God had told him, Isaac is the son through whom your descendants will be counted. Abraham reasoned that if Isaac died, God was able to bring him back to life again. Ha! Huh. And in a sense, Abraham did receive his son back from the dead because he was ready to kill him. And so this is this is how prophetic imagery works. It, it, it foreshadows something to come. Uh, it's, in theology, it's called a type. So in the Old Testament, this was a type uh, or a shadow of Jesus being offered by the Father. And God didn't ask Abram to do something that he wasn't going to do himself, all right? Because God was displaying the character of him through Abraham We can see the character and nature of God through the characters in the Bible. It says by faith Abraham offered Isaac but then it says Abraham reasoned. God was able. And I just thought wow this is kind of interesting. Here we have in the same phrase in scripture faith and reason. Faith and reason aren't contradictory they're complementary. Because he had faith, he was able to know the God of creation. If God who promised me a son and in my old age miraculously restored the ability for us to have a child and birth this child and this child grew up, if God tells him to, to put him to death, God's going to raise him from the dead. And so the declaration of, of a promise of resurrection was in this faith that Abraham displayed. And so... Uh, uh, reason when you reason in the reality of a creator god well that changes everything doesn't it and it makes faith reasonable so where's jesus in this part of the ark well that whole experience of Ab- abram and isaac is one of the most powerful old testament uh, prophetic foreshadowings of jesus as the lamb provi- provided for the sacrifice it symbolizes in so many ways i i could take a year just to teach through that story of all the different uh, symbolic uh, parallels there are to Jesus uh, and um, Abram, uh, Jesus and Isaac and the father and, and Abram and the whole, uh, how it all works out. Not only Jesus' death being offered up by the father, uh, but the, the, the promise of resurrection and that his life was saved. And in the same way, where's Jesus in the story? This is exactly what God the Father did when, when he sent his Son. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and only Son, his beloved Son, his only begotten Son, so that everyone who believes in him should not perish and have everlasting life. God sent his Son into the world not to judge the world but to save the world through him and so in the same way that uh, Abraham had to deal with the emotion of seeing his son carrying the the wood uh, that would be the uh, fire that would burn his body God the father saw his son carry the cross that would bear his body uh, And and, and Jesus would experience death in the same way that Abraham had to to grieve the the cost of of his son suffering and dying. God, in actuality, had to grieve the experience of dying for you and I. Why? Because he loved the world. All right. Because the vision was to bless the world, right? Was this for Abraham's sake? Not only did Abraham benefit, yeah, Abraham had a place. It's an honor, it's a privilege, it's an amazing blessing. But he was the vessel through which God provided uh, and continued the lineage that would eventually provide the seed, the Messiah, that would save the world, and so it's the same faith that we're called to embrace in salvation that Abraham expressed so many centuries ago. What does this mean for us today? That's what I'm talking about. It's righteousness by faith. And faith is, could also be translated allegiance, it's trust, it's relationship. And that truth was clearly revealed long before the law of Moses. Okay? and is and always has been the key element of God's work in our lives and how God uh, relates to all of mankind in the world, that that it's righteousness through this faith, through believing. Galatians, Paul explains this very principle in the New Testament to the church. In Galatians 3, 6, it says, Consider Abram, he believed God, and it was credited to him as righteousness. Huh. Understand then that those who believe are children of Abraham. All right? So it's not natural descendancy that you have uh, genes, that you're, you're Hebrew ethnically, but that you are spiritually a descendant through faith because you have the same faith that Abraham demonstrated that those who believe are the true children of Abraham. Scripture foresaw that God would justify the Gentiles by faith and announce the gospel in advance to Abraham. This is the gospel, okay? The good news. When was the good news preached? When Jesus came? No. Jesus was preaching the good news that had been preached all through the Old Testament. But if, you know, the the Old Testament Hebrew uh, Pharisees and Sadducees and the teachers of the law didn't see it. They didn't see the the forest for the trees, you know, that some of them did, obviously, but they missed it. It was there all the way through. All nations will be blessed through you. That's the gospel. So those who have faith are blessed along with Abraham, the man of faith. That's the gospel, that if we have faith, we enter into the blessing of Abraham. What's the blessing of Abraham? That through him, therefore through us, all of the world will be blessed, and that we will see salvation, the Messiah, come through our line. We can enter into that promise. From the beginning, the way to God is through relationship with faith. Like Abraham, we're called to believe God's word, and in doing so, we become righteous, all right? So, so so, yes, we're called to do whatever God calls us to do, and, and Abraham demonstrated his faith by actually doing what God told him to do, all right? So if God said, go sacrifice your child, and he says, yeah, I believe you, God, but he stayed in his tent cooking his kosher hot dogs, we'd be reading about somebody else because God would have found someone else to fulfill the mission, right? You have to act on God's word, but you act out of faith, even though this seems impossible, it's God's word. I'm gonna do it and trust that God is able. Uh, And that causes us to come into right relationship with God. So, the first thing is that we need to believe like Abraham. And then, additionally, from the beginning, God created mankind for a mission. And the mission was renewed through Abraham and through his descendants. The same mission was given to us through Christ when he said, Go make disciples of all nations. And so, there's this, this uh, uh, repeating chorus throughout scripture that God chooses a person to lead a people to bless the world, and Jesus then repeats that to us, but we see it in the life of Abraham. We saw it when God chose Adam and Eve, and then Noah, and then Abraham, and now he chooses you if you believe, if you respond, if you act according to his word to be the people that reaches our world with the blessing, all right? Is it hard? Well, was it hard for Abram? Hmm. Was it hard for Noah? Yeah. Yes, it's hard, but it's, it's worth it. And it's reasonable quickly go through. I'm not going to slow down. (laughs) Genesis 25 through 36, uh, continues the story of this family through which the lineage of the Messiah is carried. Uh, and, um, It's like a thread throughout all of history and throughout all of Scripture. It's the, the the line, the descendants, and that's why the Israelites, the Hebrews, even to this day, are really into genealogy because um, the, the promise had to be fulfilled through the Messiah would come through a specific line. And and that's uh, uh, you know, as the history goes, it gets more detailed. So I uh, Abram has the son Isaac, grows up. And then has uh, two sons, Esau and Jacob. Um, but here's the word of the Lord to Isaac after Abram had died. The Lord appeared to Isaac and said, don't go down to Egypt. There was actually a famine in the land. And Isaac was tempted to go to Egypt because they had more food down there. And this happens routine, uh, more than once in, in Scripture. It was um, just the weather patterns and things. Um, And so at this time, God says, don't go to Egypt, speaking to Isaac. He says, live in the land of which I shall tell you, dwell in this land. This would have been uh, what we now call the promised land or Palestine. And I will be with you and bless you for you and your descendants. I will give all these lands and I will perform the oath which I swore to Abraham, your father. I will make Uh your descendants multiply as the stars of heaven i will give your descendants all these lands and in your seed all the nations of the earth shall be blessed wow same promise because abraham obeyed my voice and kept my charge and my commandments my statutes, and my law and so we see that this promise that was given to Abram and very, very clearly explained through the course of his whole life is repeated to Isaac. And then Isaac uh, um, uh, continues the lineage and has two sons. Um, He continues living in the land and has Esau and Jacob. Well, these two guys were characters, (laughs) both of them. And it's a great story. And I can't tell you much of it, but uh, both Esau and and, uh, and Jacob were characters. Esau was the firstborn, but Jacob, through some trickery and some really good soup, <laughs> steals his birthright, steals the blessing. Um, Esau is definitely more rebellious uh, and uh, ends up, uh, you know, marrying uh, women outside of the family line. And Jacob actually has to flee because Esau's going to try to kill him. <clears throat> and so he, he leaves. Uh, but what, when he leaves, he has an encounter with God. So it says in Genesis 28, Meanwhile, Jacob left Beersheba and traveled toward Haran. These are two different cities. At sundown, he arrived at a good place to set up camp and stop there for the night. And Jacob found a stone. <clears throat> it must have been a soft stone. <laughs> it's been a sandstone, right? I always thought that was funny. It's like, we should sell a pillow, you know, my pillow. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> to rest his head and lay down to sleep. As he slept, he dreamt of a stairway that reached the heaven, uh, reached from earth to heaven. And he saw angels of God going up and down the stairway. At the stop, top of the stairway stood the Lord, and he said, I am the Lord, the God of your grandfather Abraham and the God of your father Isaac. The ground you are lying on belongs to you and I'm giving it to you and your descendants. Your descendants will be as numerous as the dust of the earth. They will spread out in all directions, to the west and the east, the north and the south, and all the families of the earth will be blessed through you and your descendants. <gasps> Same promise. Not the Esau. Esau but the, to, to uh, uh, Jacob. And so we're here we have the lineage then is, is specific, that God repeats that. And then Esau has many experiences with God. It's through Jacob, who's later renamed by God to be Israel, and from which we now still use that name for the nation and the descendants of Abraham. We call them Israelites, right? And that means God prevails, or He will rule as God, and it's prophetically symbolizing the rule that God will eventually fulfill through Jesus the Messiah. That will not fully be realized until Christ returns in the resurrection and puts an end to all sin and the work of Satan and the work and the, and, the, and, the, and, the, and worldliness and rules the earth and establishes God's kingdom. From, from sea to sea, all right? So we're still living in the story, all right? Uh-huh. And we're part of God's people. Jacob has 12 sons, and those are what become the 12 tribes of Israel, of which the rest of the Old Testament um, uh, tells the story, and we're going to cover different parts of it over the next few weeks. Quickly, the last uh, section, it's actually one of the longest stories in the entire Bible concerning one individual. It's unique because Joseph is not of the lineage of Jesus. Okay? So technically he's not a patriarch. Patriarch are the, uh, the fathers uh, of the, the, uh, the, uh, uh, each of the tribes, um, and especially Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. <clears throat> God is known all the way through Scripture as the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob All right, But Joseph's story is very important. Joseph was uh, the second to the youngest son of Jacob, but he's the firstborn uh, from the wife that Jacob really, really loved. And so uh, there's significance there. There's a special relationship that uh, Jacob had with Joseph. And it's a powerful prophetic story of uh, Jesus. So many different things in Joseph's lives foreshadow Jesus' lives and the faithfulness of god and i'd love to tell you about it but i can't so read the story they've actually made a few good movies i guess the cartoon version is pretty good <laughs> um but here we have another biblical hero who that begins with a promise uh so uh, joseph is blessed he's 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 the favored son but his his brothers betray him and, and they were going to kill him, but threw him into a pit. And so symbolizes Jesus being buried. But, uh, and then he's, he's pulled out of the grave and sold into slavery. And he ends up going to Egypt and uh, is in an imprisonment and false accusation. But through his faithfulness and the faithfulness of God, he eventually becomes ruler of Egypt. And through Joseph uh, interpreting some dreams for Pharaoh, was able to save the whole world, that part of the world, because of a massive famine. And so Joseph sets up a plan where he, he basically <clears throat> um, uh, 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 takes over the economy of Egypt and buys all of the grain, a uh, portion of the grain over the years, and then sells it back to the people he, he taxed it from, to the point where, by the end, Pharaoh actually owns all of the land as a result of uh, uh, Joseph's wisdom. But he saves the population, and and then um, uh, he also saves his uh, family because they come for help. And you, again, like I said, you can see it. But we see this this pattern within the biblical story of, of biblical heroes. They begin with the po- promise, but then they endure hardship, betrayal, even slavery, but they are faithful, and through their faithfulness, they see God's faithfulness. I already said all that. Um, It also reveals how the Israelites, it's very important to the story, because it tells us how the Israelites end up in Egypt, okay? Um, First, as uh, uh, honored guests, they are the family of the man who saved the Egyptian empire, which at that time was by far the biggest, most powerful empire on earth. Uh, and so they came and they were honored. They were given the best land, Goshen, and to, to live. But eventually, over the years, other pharaohs came to power and they became slaves uh, and <coughs> uh, ended up in slavery. And they were there for 400 years. Think about that. 400 years from the time they left um, to the time that they uh, finally get delivered, which is the next part of the ark that I'll be talking about next week. So what can we do in application of this great story of the uh, promise of God being passed down through uh, Abraham and then Isaac and then Jacob and then to the Israelites and ultimately to you and I? Well, first of all, we, like they, must believe god's word based on nothing other than it's god's word it's there's something that has to happen and maybe it's not the first time you hear it like abraham maybe it's not the second time you hear it but at some point you have to go you know what i'm either going to trust my own self or i'm going to trust god and it came to me in, in in my life when i made that decision i didn't understand the implications of that decision when I made that decision, I stuck to it, and uh, it's transformed my life. And so you need to believe. um, What does that look like for you today? What has God said to you to do that you can act in faith and do simply because God said it? Does that make sense? And you need to get practical, all right? Like, love your neighbor. A particular neighbor, <clears throat> they have this dog that barks. And it's this ear piercing yap. And our bedroom is the closest to their yard. <laughs> All right? <laughs> and so it goes right through the wall, right into my ear. And they let him out there, and for hours, <laughs> Been thinking about buying a gun, <laughs> <laughs> their car got stuck in their driveway yesterday. I was like, Oh, uh, cause they don't shovel their driveway. So I'm like, and the kid has got a snowboard. <laughs> I'm like, they're never going to get that car out, he's using a snowboard. So I, I throw my boots on him, I like, grab my coat, grab a couple of shovels. By the time I get there, my other neighbor had gotten over there, and they pushed the car out. I'm like, oh, I had a good intention, you know. And I walk back, and I grab my snowblower, and I went, and I, I cleared their driveway. You know why? Because the Bible says, love your neighbor. Don't love their dog. <laughs> Number two, all of us are called to be on mission. Okay? God's people, we must remember, we're called to a mission to be a blessing in the world, to the world, to bring that blessing. So what can we do this week that displays that our faith in, in that creator God, but also our faithfulness to fulfill the commission to go forth and be a blessing to others?